welcome to the Bronova Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Okay, everybody, welcome along to this week's episode of the Bronova Podcast. I'm here today with Kathy Perez. Uh, she is a health coach. Uh, who is uh, involved in the realms of uh, anxiety management, um, relationships with food, also yoga teacher training, and yoga, the practice of yoga. And recently uh, went through a, a reproductive justice course, which is what prompted our conversation. So welcome, Kathy, and thank you for being here. Namaste. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the, the abortion topic uh, is one that Certainly came came up. I did an episode or two about it back in June, uh, when things were kind of uh, becoming more apparent with the the protections being removed. So, before we get into the that realm, uh, by way of quick introduction, um, Kathy, you know, what would you like to share about yourself? You know, your your upbringing, formative events in your life, and and how you kind of came to this position of where you are in the world today. Absolutely. Again, thank you for having me, Thomas. Um, so really brief, um, I grew up in a very traditional Latin, uh, Latin <laughs> very strict um, traditional Latin um, family. Very, and I'm going to yeah. keep saying that because I'm still yeah. Roman Catholic. Um, that has not changed. I'm a Creole Catholic. Um, so, um, you know, have very staunch um, uh, beliefs, right? Um, but I'm also the most liberal Catholic you'll probably ever meet. And uh, very much um, a strong, independent woman. And so that was through my whole life, from the beginning I was born and into now. And then I've always been passionate about health and fitness, um, just never felt like I had the leadership ability to lead others into better health, which was silly. And then fast forward, really fast forward, um, 2001, I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder. <laughs> and as a Latina, you don't talk, that doesn't exist. Like, what is that, right? And so um, it just started this whole um, cycle of events of me really trying to hone in on the health and fitness portion, right? And then I did, I, I went to therapy, which was totally, you know, unknown to me what that really was and didn't tell anyone for two years what was going on with me. Finally, um, got on a better level with my anxiety and then um, really struggled through all that. And then um, 2012 came around and I was able to, um, finally, I had an anxiety episode and it, it was a doozy, but I told myself, I will find a better way to deal with this. And from 2012 on, that's what happened. I just found every way possible on the natural side so to speak, that could help me um, change how I was dealing with my anxiety. And then through my wonderful mentor, my coach, my, my um, lifelong friend, um, Dave Smith, he became my coach, my fitness coach, but then he became my life coach. And then he became my mentor, my business mentor. So through his um, belief in me, I went ahead and became a health coach. And But again, I've always been very staunch on women's rights, on, you know, a big feminist. And then everything started to reel its ugly head about what was going to happen with <laughs> um, the Dobbs decision. And then come June 24th of this year, um, everything came to head. And I told myself, I can't let my age 11 niece grow up in this type of environment. And so I said, I get to do a lot more. So that's what prompted me. And when the person's ready, right, the student's ready, they teach her, um, pops up and sure enough, um, the organization Keep Abortion Safe just showed up in my in email, email box. And then I went through their leadership series for reproductive justice. So I'm an advocate now and doing what I can to spread the message. Wonderful. And congratulations on that personal evolution of, you know, you said before that the, the confidence to be a leader and the self-belief of being a leader. That's amazing because a lot of people never get over that hump in their lives and, you know, never conquer that. Or even, I mean, it's all tied into self-love, right? But, you know, anyway, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I, I recognize all the work that goes into that. So congratulations. And yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was a long road, but I went through it. Obviously God wanted me to, and 
there's a reason for everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's interesting. The the Roman Catholicism. I grew up Roman Catholic as well. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I did the whole thing. I was an altar boy. Really? You know, oh, I was right. baptized, confirmed, all that. Um, and then I now am not engaged with the church. I actually, <laughs> this might be a little dramatic, but I was thinking about if there's a way to go to like the churches where I was baptized and confirmed and remove my name from the <laughs> from the list. <laughs> Uh, you wouldn't be the first one to think that, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, of course, everyone has their own relationship with their upbringing and the traditions and norms and the culture they grew up with. For you, what are the things that keep you engaged with the church? Absolutely. that's the, it, And I appreciate that question. Um, I, again, was um, brought up a credo-Catholic, which is just a funny way to say that I was born into Catholicism. And I did have this drench of time when I didn't actually agree with much of what, what I was being taught. So when at, when, at least at my age, it was teenager years when we were to go through our confirmation. Mm-hmm. And I told my dad I wasn't going to do it, not at that mm-hmm. church. It was too traditional. I didn't appreciate anyone there. And it was like I had decided to, you know, get pregnant at 16. He's like, <laughs> you are going to get this done. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like it was a bad time for me. So for four oh, wow. years, I didn't attend mass. You know, my 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 dad was disgusted with me, but it's okay. I, I got through it, and then I finally found the church I knew that was going to be the one to help me, and I got confirmed. And so through all this, though, I always had been a, a person a very liberal thought, and so there are a lot of dogma attached to religion, right? Any religion, mm-hmm. um, but in particular Roman Catholicism, and so. My own faith in God is not based on a religion. Like I was brought up to believe in God and I believe in higher power, no matter what religion I might follow or not follow. So those four years that I didn't attend mass, I still prayed every day. I still believe in God. And so I still do. And so do I need a religion to believe in God? No. To have faith is to have that higher calling. It doesn't matter what that higher calling is. You don't have to have a religion to have that higher faith. Um, and so faith is not synonymous with religion, but I find myself very much, um, I, I can honestly say I do enjoy and feel comforted by the, what we would call the traditional mass. Like I feel comforted when I'm there with my peers. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of things wrong um, with religion, but at least with the things that I think are right, it keeps me grounded. That's wonderful. And I completely am with you on, on as far as it's a, it's a, for me, religion is a vehicle of building community, security, safety, accountability, structures of life, stability, you know, all these things are positive. So as a, as a feminist, how do you grapple with the Catholic church's exclusion of women from leadership? Oh yeah. <laughs> awesome question. Um, <laughs> I remember in college, I went through this course. Um, it was a women's, I forget even what the name of the course was, but basically um, it was a religious education course on how women are written out of history, especially in Christianity. And I ended up writing a letter to the Pope, um, who would have been Pope John Paul at this, um, II at that time. And I basically blasted him and said, how dare you not allow women to become priests? Um, you know, so it's always been where I never felt that that was right. I mean, in my view, Mary Magdalene was the best disciple ever, and she's just not given credit for it, right? Mm. So I've always maintained that it was patriarchy that basically have written women out of history to begin with, and that includes religion. So I can't change that. All I can do is say my truth and help other people, other women coming up behind me, let them understand that they have power, that they can be empowered in whatever they believe and that they don't have to play small. And that has always driven me. It's driven a lot of the people in the religious context crazy when they're around me, but they understand also that, again, I do believe in God. And will I probably die Catholic? Probably. I mean, there's so many things wrong with, again, especially Christianity being taken over by white supremacy. Um, mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I, I do, again, feel safe in that um, community. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's a gray life. Life is lived in the gray. Yeah. You know, it's 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 funny. I feel like a lot of people, myself included, like to be clear cut about things, but it's just not the reality. Life is messy, and there are many contradictions. <laughs> Very much so. And you know, it was so funny because. Um, I, I went to confession. It's, we have like, the, well, either way, I went to confession December 9th so that I can get ready for Advent and every, and the Christmas season. And mm-hmm. the priest, um, basically, I didn't go to church for two years, right? I was only watching it on, on um, video for the most part. And mm-hmm. I told him that I've been listening to the Bible in a Year podcast with Father Mike Schmitz. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I had a lot of um, just basically uh, conflicting feelings about the church after the June 24th decision. And instead of maybe addressing that at all, he basically just said, okay, you know, um, basically work on being a better Christian. I'm like, I know you can't get into this because you don't know me and everything else. But I'm like, was there nothing else you could tell me (laughs) to help me? I mean, yes, I had a penance and whatever, but it was kind of like, really? That's all you're going to tell me? Like be a better Christian. And what does that look like? Right. Because I needed to come here for you to tell me that. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's one one thing that I would say was not uh, wonderful about, um, you know, the latest um, Christian experience for me. But overall, I just really hope that people can understand that there is a difference between having faith in God, whatever you believe in or not believe, and religion. They're not the same, you know. So please don't view me as everyone else who's Christian and thinks that women have no rights. You know, that's not what I believe at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, good for you. I mean, I think I think it does show strength to kind of have your beliefs and values and identity and be in that space, you know, non-apologetically, right? Yeah. That, that shows power too. So you mentioned uh, patriarchy, white supremacy, and I think that'll lead us nicely to the reproductive justice topics. One thing I've been thinking about that's kind of interesting is this idea of um, moral morality and morals in historical contexts, yeah. and the idea that, for example, like the, in American social life, the examples would be the um, Confederate uh, statues being taken down, mm-hmm. and even maybe more historically. Um, further in the past, like Columbus, for example, here in Philly, there's a Columbus square with a statue of Columbus and there's a big drama around that. And so the, the idea is that in present day, there has been a lot of looking back on history with a critical eye, uh, fairly in a lot of circumstances, but the, I, I forget the exact word for it, but the idea is that kind of applying the moral standards of today to the past. So, yeah. I feel like the that is kind of a nuance that gets lost a little bit, and it's not you know an excusing the sins of the past. It's but kind of it's kind of a um, something I find interesting thinking about. You know the people who are singing most loudly from the rooftops of condemning the sins of the past. You know have no way of proving they would act any differently if they were in that time period, for example. Okay. So I think that's kind of an interesting when I think about history, because ultimately like understanding our culture today requires an understanding of history. That's something that comes to mind. So does any of that make sense? (laughs) It does actually. And, and I appreciate that um, because I, I honestly think maybe that's where a lot of people, I can see where that would come into play. And that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. I mean, for me, you know, even as a woman talking to you as a white male, right. Um, Mm -hmm. I can understand where that perspective would be prevalent, right? Like it would actually make sense. So that makes sense to me. Um, I also though would um, counter that with the aspect of the fact that patriarchy has been in in existence since the beginning of time. Right. And um, so from the viewpoint of someone who is in the minority, supposedly um, I'm a person of color, (laughs) um, which is interesting um, because I thought I was more, uh, anyway, I'm going to get into that. But so I am a woman, I am <laughs> um, of indigenous descent. And so I come at it from, okay, 
yeah, would I have treated anyone differently back in those days, right, compared to what I know now? And in hindsight, we can't know that, right? Um, but I will say that what I learned in that reproductive justice theory is the fact that everything that you're seeing now elevate and rear its head in whatever form you want to call it has to do with the idea that patriarchy has existed and it only elevated itself. Um, again, there's been slavery since the beginning of time, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you read the Bible or not, it's happened. And it's just been in different forms. Well, when we're talking about reproductive justice, so to speak, here in the, in the, in the country, which, by the way, was stolen from indigenous, right? Um, it's understanding that patriarchy took on a really ugly turn when it decided to take on religion as a reason to enslave people. And that enslavement also would include power over women. I mean, women have never had power, so to speak, but it even took a worse turn when patriarchy mixed with white nationalism and now it has taken over Christianity, it seems like. And it's just that those voices, while maybe small in, in, in actual population, it's so loud and it's over it's overrun what Christianity is, I think. And it's a really sad um, perspective because I'm Christian, but I totally don't believe in all the things, all the rhetoric that is being thrown around. And so why I appreciate your opinion, again, that you're like, okay, things are kind of like, so would we be saying what we are now if we were back then? Well, of course not. Context, cultural difference. I mean, there's so much to, to be said for hindsight. But since we're living in the now, we have to at least appreciate, okay, I can listen to the Bible in a year and understand that the Bible is talking about like some really severe punishments. And that's not going to be acceptable to even the white nationalist Christianity people now, right? It's just not going to be. But to try and use Christianity to now justify holding others down, we can't do that anymore. There's, there's no way we can. There's too much knowledge now and there's too much let's just put it, there's a few people who don't want to lose power and they're doing everything they can to um, construe their own version of what they want to see when really the population is saying, no, we want to see more equality. We want to see people be able to live and thrive and not just a few have that opportunity. I hope that makes sense. Totally. And to clarify my point, I think the reason I bring that up is more to kind of I think check the impulses of people who are very proudly and publicly shaming others at all, you know, to use a Christian reference, you know, I'll use they to be more inclusive, let they without sin cast the first stone. Right. To me, that still holds true. And in these circumstances of, you know, you can call it revisionist history or looking at the past with the morals of today, just, that's more just the thought I have when I see someone so proudly publicly, you know, shaming others in, in those situations, even, even, and I do understand too, of course, my experience and identity inform that obviously, right? Like it's a lot easier for me to be like, Oh, well the Europeans were just doing what they always did in history. Like, of course, like, um, I, so I don't, I don't bring that up just to, or to, to, to kind of debunk where we're going as a society. I just think it's kind of interesting and I'm always skeptical of people who loudly publicly and proudly shame others or kind of put themselves as higher than because, right. because of their morals. Cause to me, that's a huge red flag. Cause yeah, that, that's kind of the, the root of why I shared that thought. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't, what, what do you think about that? Um, I think that, I mean, I would agree for the most part with that idea. Mm -hmm. um, again, like I said, um, it's interesting because, you know, the Dobbs decision went down and six, over 60%, closer to 70% of the population doesn't, didn't agree with it when it mm -hmm. came out, when it was leaked in February. No one agreed with it. Less than, you know, half the population wanted to see this happen. And it was interesting because it all came about specifically, and I, I have this noted here, Reverend Robert Shinnick, the uh, Direct Bonnehef Institute president and founder, he started 
the Operation Higher Court and basically sold his soul to the devil, in my view. Mm-hmm. And it was simply to align with Republicans. And again, I'm just going to say what I heard, but align Republicans to get what the Republicans wanted so that they can get the votes. But yet it came out the dismal, uh, basically, um, fact that they were going against even what Christianity said, right? Like, again, it was all about a power grab. And it was never about saving babies or whatever you want to believe um, about a woman's body. It was all about power. And so it's sad to think that that decision that came down was by six people who happened to be Roman Catholic, but also did it based on corrosion, like cohort, like the 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 slickest of, um, I guess you could say, ways that white supremacy and power sucked out the life of law and decided to go ahead and let those few people ruin everyone else's lives. And that's pretty sad. So I can only say that from my point of view, you know, this has been from the moment that Roe vs. Wade was created, right? Um, ever since that day, the far right has been doing their little work in the shadows and using Christianity as a way to make it seem okay. And that's just wrong because it's never been about saving babies. It's about power. Hmm. Yeah, it's, certainly there's been generations of work, right, post post row to kind of get to the point where we got over the summer yeah. by people of that orientation. So, and yeah, I, I agree. I think it's undeniable that it is a power maneuver. It, it is controlling what someone does in their personal lives. And it is also a very emotional play, right? You know, of course, who doesn't, who wants to murder babies? Like it's the, it's a very effective marketing i hope you are enjoying this week's episode of the bro nouveau podcast as much as i enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you to get involved in the conversation you can send me an email contact at bro nouveau.com or find me on instagram at bro nouveau pod Please share this episode out with someone who you think will enjoy it, and you can leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For full-length video episodes, head over to YouTube and search Grow Nouveau Podcast. Enjoy. So, and who, who is this, um, this reverend you mentioned? Yeah, so this past, um, it was just recent, like, um, and I can share the um, with you the, the link, but um, I read about it in a political, um, or I should say he was on C-SPAN. Um, he was, mm. um, he testified under oath, right, to the commi- one of the congressional committees on the fact that for however many, probably like a decade or more, him, him and his um followers, meaning the people that he created for this particular group, um, sought out to make sure that every Republican possible was going to get elected on the basis that they were going to now mm-hmm. eventually end abortion yeah. on the federal level. And was it was their plan to infiltrate everyone on the Supreme Court, and it worked. And he testified sure. that he couldn't live with himself after that. He's like, I can't believe that the Christian community that I, in other words, he morally understood what he did was wrong. Yeah. I'd love to read about that. Yeah. I can totally send it to you. Thanks. Yeah. The, well, that was also the platform that president Trump ran on. Well, it was very explicit. You know, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to put, I'm going to stack the courts with conservatives who will, you know, upend row among other things, but that was something he promised, you know, yeah. And, you know, if anything else, all I can say is that that person 
in the White House for four years did exactly what they said they were going to do. And, yeah. you know, he's lied about everything else in his life, but he actually told the truth on those things and he got done what he said he was going to do to the detriment of almost killing the the country we live in. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So what were the, the tenets of this um, course you took, the leadership training that you went through? Because you're obviously quite inspired by it. So I'd love to hear, you know, learn more about it. Absolutely. Thank you for the, the opportunity again. So reproductive justice 101. Basically, reproductive justice um, is when everything required to help people thrive is available to all people. So that includes, um, so reproductive justice means you make your own decisions about bodily autonomy, choosing to get pregnant, parenting, planning families, and expressing your sexuality. So in other words, as a, I'm a, a woman by birth and I choose to continue, to, I, I still believe, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I identify as she, her, ella, if you speak Spanish, um, but I understand that there may be those who no longer want to deal with the binary, right? way of life and that's okay and reproductive justice also means that we build a future beyond the binary because you know i don't believe god made any mistakes right and so whether that means that someone loses a baby through miscarriage naturally or otherwise that's god's will that's going to happen and so just the way people say that they're going to make life through ivr insemination right that's playing god but yet somehow Christianity is okay with that. But they're not okay with me making a decision that I'm not going to carry a pregnancy through if I'm 10 years old and my body's not developed yet to do that. So there's definitely a situation where reproductive justice means that if I do decide to have a pregnancy and see it through, that I have what I need in my own community. I'm not forced to go somewhere or I'm not forced mm -hmm. to carry a pregnancy to term when I really don't want to for any other reason other than I don't want to. It's my, it's my decision. And the resources and the social structure is there not to confront me or to um, in any way demean me, but to support my decision. And the organization that did this training, uh, who are they and what is their mission yes. and orientation? Yes. So um, keep abortionsafe.org right here <laughs> keepabortionsafe.org <laughs> and uh, they again um, have an alignment um, their executive director is part of Progressive Colorado and so um, it's a big advocacy um, coalition and they bring together all these wonderful um, experts and it was interesting because again it just popped up in my email feed because I'm all, all these different you know um, uh, uh, email list, right, for political reasons, and it shot up one day, and I'm like, heck yeah, it's free, and I can go through this and be informed, and it's wholly helped me understand better how, again, we went from patriarchy, and then to the fact that no one wants to seem to remember that abortion is just a medical procedure, like, it either happens naturally, when a baby is miscarried, or it will happen through a medical procedure, and I can tell you right now that no person who's pregnant in their second or trimester or third trimester is expecting to ever have to have an abortion. When that happens, it's because the life of the mother and the baby can't be saved. So there, every pregnancy is a life or death situation. It's not easy to say, oh, any woman or any person can get pregnant and they're going to be fine. No, <laughs> the placenta is Basically, it's a tug of war of death between the mom, or I'm sorry, the person who's pregnant, and the placenta trying to make sure that the, the fetus is not seen or that that um, egg that got implanted is not seen for at least a good, oh, you know, many weeks. And it's a constant tug of war. And if the placenta wins too soon, the person dies carrying the, the, the fetus. If the placenta loses, no more baby. So it's not this easy, natural way of, of being 
yeah, nine months and you've just pooped this little baby out. No, <laughs> there's a lot that goes on in a person's body um, when they're pregnant. And so this isn't to be taken lightly and that this isn't every woman's dream because it's not. <laughs> I don't have children, never had children, don't plan to ever. And I don't think for one minute that God thinks I'm a horrible person because of that decision. So however it fits for you, it comes down to decisions. And anyone telling a male what to do with their genitals would be considered crazy. But yet you're okay to tell me what to do with my, my genitals. No, that's not okay on any level. And uh, it just comes down again to power. Who has the power? If slaves were forced to have children out of rape to continue slavery, how is that any different than me being forced to carry a pregnancy insurance when I don't want it? Well, I mean, hypothetically, I can answer that question if you want me to, but I sure. don't know if you want me to. <laughs> sure. I mean, the, the, the difference in that example would be that assuming you had consensual sex with someone who you wanted to have sex with, that's the difference because you weren't enslaved, right? And, and you know, raped by someone who had power over you. Just semant semantically... <laughs> I, I agree with the thrust of the um, point, which is that, you know, you're, you're essentially being in that someone could be forced to have a pregnancy when they don't want one, which is the same outcome, but specifically like example of an enslaved person and like someone who has consensual sex, those are kind of different circumstances of how they got pregnant. But if anyway, I don't want to go down there. That's just me being semantic semantics driven. Um, you shared a lot there. So, okay, one thing I noticed, you said the mom was pregnant and then you switched your verbiage to the person who was pregnant. What, what's behind that? So I have to be very um, cognizant, right, that, again, we're not living in a binary world. And honestly, we never did. It's just that it was taught that we were only binary, as in male or female. But that's never really been the case. And it's just that now people are willing to be open about who they want to be, who they are. Um, and again, I don't believe God made mistakes, right? And so all of this is happening for a reason. But to your point, again, someone who's a, someone who identify, or I should say someone who was born female can later on in life um, know that they were not meant to be <laughs> that way. So they still have reproductive parts unless they have them removed, right? But if they don't, theoretically, they could be raped and they can end up pregnant, even though they don't identify as a female um, for all intents and purposes, whether that's through actual operations, right, or, or otherwise. So I have to be understanding that not just women as a female version of me can have children or should, can get pregnant. Um, it comes down to anyone who has reproductive ability, right, um, mm. has that um, chance of getting pregnant or, or, you know, could end up pregnant. So mm. I always want to be sure that I'm exerting not just my view as a woman, but for those who are being marginalized as well. And they might not consider themselves in the binary world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I also respect people's desires to be addressed in how they want to be. Um, the reason I highlighted that is because I think when we kind of zoom out of like our shared perspective on many topics and think about addressing the wider world or country or even town or city where we live in the hierarchy of objectives, the first one would be perhaps, or one of the top ones in this example would be uh, the right to an abortion. And then potentially later, a uh, lesser importance would be kind of um, gender awareness with addressing people in words we say. And I think a place where the progressives, um, progressives, and not speaking of individuals, but rather as a political movement, lose momentum and um, shoot themselves in the foot to use a, a, a violent uh, an analogy is by 
you know, getting hung up on, let's say, the the gender or the the verbiage, which then just for isolates and irates the people who they're trying to have a conversation with about abortion. Um, and I think that's a nuance that gets lost. And I think that if the, I mean, it's a problem because it's half of the country is liberal slash progressive leaning, right? So it, it's hard to organize that whole, but I think yeah. that if we putting myself in this group of people who want these things, we're more focused with our asks, if you will, or prioritized instead of, because essentially like things like the saying that a, a person who is pregnant is not a mother, for example, that's just going to irate and be fodder for the right wing, right people to just be, look at these liberals, they're idiots. They don't, they deny biology, you know, which then distracts us from the whole reason of the real topic we want, which yeah. is abortion access. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of a thought I've had of late about where we're going and, 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 I mean, American politics as a whole is so dysfunctional, but that's kind of a specific example of something I've been thinking of. No, that's a, that's a fair statement. I mean, I, I'm sure many people share that same sentiment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, and I, I also, you know, if I were one of those people, of course, or someone who empathizes with them, or, or I mean, I, I do em- empathize, but I guess, again, acknowledging that where I sit, it's easy for me to have that perspective because those aren't my problems that I carry with me every day. Um, True. So it's all, all, all contextual. Um, okay, so the the um, other thing that we kind of talked about um, was the idea that one of the tenets of this um, philosophy is that someone should have access to an abortion because they want one or because just flat out because they want one. Um, for me personally, the way I orient my life and, um, carry myself and and kind of live my life is that I accept the consequences of my actions in my personal Mm -hmm. life. If I, if I eat bad food, I'm not going to have the body I want. If I am lazy, I'm not going to get the results I want. Uh, Mm -hmm. if I blame others for my own failures and failure to take responsibility, I'm going to have less successful outcomes in my life. For me personally, that's how I orient myself. Um, and this question of abortion, I think is one that gets in that realm of someone who has sex in theory should know that they have the risk of getting pregnant. Um, and so for me, I think this is also an area of growth for honing the argument or, or, um, making the, idea more appealing to people who disagree with abortion of, so for example, why should this person who made this choice to have sex, again, this is in the context of consensual sex, not rape for someone who has consensual sex, who then wants an abortion later, why do they get a pass in this example for the people whose, whose mindsets are, well, consequences are follow actions and decisions we make, you know? So how would you approach that, you know, talking to someone who has that attitude? Because I think there are a lot of people who have that consequence-oriented mindset. Who, it was one of the reasons they are against abortion. Absolutely. That's a, that's a neat question. Um, and I would actually um, throw it back at them in the fact that are they male or female talking to me? Mm-hmm. Because I would ask, well, what about the person that got the other person pregnant? So to make it easier just to talk, mm-hmm. if it's two, it's a, if it's a male and female who had consensual sex, why aren't you asking the male, what are you going to do to help me if I keep the child? What are you going to do to help me if I decide not to have a child? So in a lot of 90% of these arguments or discussions, never once is it thought at all that the male has any responsibility. And that's patriarchy. Yeah, that's a huge problem. I completely agree with that. Personally, been with my girlfriend for two years, we had a conversation about kids and abortion, you know, um, unplanned pregnancy. And I told her, it's your decision. I support you. If that situation ever arises, either way, what you want to do, I support you because it's your 
body, right? And I think if 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 I was in a situation where if she got pregnant and then we broke up, for example, or no longer together, I would do my share of fathering, supporting, parenting, whatever. But I agree with you, that's not the case in a lot of situations. And that's a huge problem. And that actually gets back to the, the question of masculinity, right? And and the crisis of manhood in this country, which is a very dramatic term. <laughs> but I think there are, I, I would call it a crisis of adulthood to be more um, <laughs> general because it's across, it's across all genders, I think. So the, the other, well, actually, before we switch to the masculinity thing, is, is there anything else you would want to share about uh, reproductive justice or, or this topic? Absolutely. Um, I would actually want to give the, and I don't know if you're familiar with the term, but intersectionality, if that's mm-hmm. something you're familiar with. We've um, had whole episodes him- on it. Oh, there you go. I think we talked yeah. about that after we first. Okay, so you already know mm-hmm. that, but and I was suspecting that your audience also is very familiar with it then. And mm-hmm. I was going to interject that, that that's where this all plays into the whole idea of patriarchy. Because as you said, you know, you don't know how many men even consider that. And it's basically socially acceptable to just have every responsibility when it comes to, when you're talking about reproductive justice, to fall on the woman. And why is that? Intersectionality. Because it's just presumed that men have the power and that it's okay for them to go float off. I have two instances in my life. My cousin, his um, original biological dad wrote him off and that's okay through society. And the same thing happened. My own friend got a woman pregnant. She wanted to keep him as her beau and he didn't want to stay. And she got pregnant against his will. And he, again, just had to sign a paper. And again, the, the woman can do the same, but I'm going to say 95% of the time it doesn't happen. And why is that? So it comes down to power. <laughs> Equal justice must happen. Equal rights amendment has to get added to the Constitution. And intersectionality um, derives um, with the idea that, again, we live in a patriarchy society and somehow women's rights don't matter. And that's just not true. (laughs) We are half of the population, but yet we've given birth to everyone on this planet. Mm. And that should be completely respected. I agree. I agree with that completely. I think that'd be interesting. An equal rights amendment um, would be very interesting to think about what to include in that. Um, And again, what would be feasibly get through, right? Get past. But that's a different, that's a different conversation because that encompasses (laughs) politics of the day. Um. But I will say that if you go to equal, the eracoalition.org, which is where I found out of all about it, it's been 100 years in the making, folks. It's time to have it added to the Constitution, and it just needs to be put on the floor of the Senate, and it will get voted on. So go to eracoalition.org and find out how you can start pestering your elected officials, because that's the only way it's going to get done. Does the bill have sponsors? Yes, every it's been it, it's basically it has been ratified through 38 states, but it's there's a time differential going on, and all Schumer has to do is put it on the floor, and 50 senators or the the people in the Senate will pass it. I mean, if they want to look like idiots, they won't, but they must. It has to get on the floor for there to be a vote. Another example of the. Like male privilege in this conversation is uh, male birth control. Exactly. I'm yep, sure it exists, I brought that up. <laughs> but it's never, it's not the norm for men to no. take it, think about it. It's always assumed the woman, you know, is going to take it. So I think that's another example. Like, uh, that could be a whole nother episode for you. A whole nother podcast for you. I mean, an uh, episode podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so on the Bro Nouveau podcast, we promote the Bro Nouveau mindset, which is expressive, authentic, reflective in ways that traditional masculine modeling does not encourage. 
And this started out of my observation of uh, many men's fall from grace, men who uh, both publicly and personally, you know, seem to have great success, a great family. And then the truth comes out. They're doing bad things, being honest, they're dishonest, lying. And I've identified my theory is that many of these behaviors stem from a lack of self-confidence and a lack of self-love. And for me, in my experience, building self-confidence and self-love came through expression and being honest with myself and others and having others affirm that. And then kind of the classic self-improvement, you know, if you're good, goodness comes to you, you know, stick with people who you vibrate on a higher frequency with and it attracts more good people, all these things. So that's the theory or the motivation behind the Bronovo podcast. And especially considering just not just in this reproductive justice work, you have um, food relationships, relationships with food. You do a lot of work with that. I know you have a anxiety management community that you created for women specifically. And so I think you'd have a unique perspective in this question of, you know, male and men's role in society and, and what are the kind of, changes you would like to see or norms change among, among the male populace? Well, and thank you for that uh, opportunity. Um, I, I would probably, you know, again, when I, when I speak about, you know, obviously I want to change the idea or I want my legacy basically to be that Mm -hmm. I will be giving people more rights than I have right now. And that's my Mm -hmm. hope, right? That me getting out there, sharing my truth, is going to make sure that my niece and everyone else, including people of color, including even men who want to cry, meaning equal mm-hmm. rights for everyone is what my legacy, I want it to be. Meaning that for, for men, you know, patriarchy hasn't served them well anyway. Um, yeah, they have power, but they're not allowed to cry. They're not allowed to share their feelings. Somehow that demasculates them. And that's ridiculous. So for me, what I would like to see is when I'm having a conversation, let's say about reproductive justice with the male, I want them to understand on a biological level, just basic biology, what someone like me goes through. And it's a beautiful thing, meaning like, I love being a woman. I love that I am more a part of nature than my male counterpart. It's just fact but I want them to appreciate what it means to be female. And right now they don't think they need to care. At least that's my perception. So that's what I like to see. I want my legacy to be that I create equality on such a huge level for everyone so that men can cry and realize that they don't have to be the breadwinners. They can actually share in the responsibilities of loving their families as well as being equal partners to whomever they love, whoever that is. So Equal for everyone, not just for some. I love it. Um, when you said the you said something interesting. Um, oh, more part of nature. Uh, do you mean more in tune with nature, or, or what do you mean? Uh, we like literally are so. I again, not enough of biology is spent on actually. Uh, emphasizing how we are connected to nature, whether that's male or female, but in particular, females really are connected to nature. Are you have a 24 hour um, sexual rebalancing that happens every day. Ours is like 28 to 35 days. And we are in connection with the moon. Like literally the moon and us are in, <laughs> in uh, a monthly cycle together. Same with the seasons. So we are cyclical creatures more so. Again, you all do have a cyclical nature, but it's in a 24-hour cycle. Ours, again, runs with literally the moon itself. So it's pretty darn awesome. Like we are so connected to nature. And, you know, you talk about like the witches and, you know, like paganism and everything. Well, really, again, you're talking to a liberal Catholic here. Uh, It's well known that, the only reason why witches were seen as evil was because they could heal and cure and the men just didn't want to see them have that type of power. And so they said, that's evil and you can't do that. But yet they were healers. That's all they were. So 
we are in fact biologically in tune with nature. <laughs> Where was this? The the healing so, women. So basically, um, you know, you talk about midwives, midwives, doulas, anyone who had to do with anything with um, whether it's reproductive health, right, or just healers in general. They were really mostly women, but because patriarchy decided that they didn't want to see women in any shape or form <laughs> um, have any type of autonomy, they reduced them to evil. And that's just not right. At, at least definitely in the, in the worldview of when you talk about like uh, how Christianity really dove into like, um, you know, uh, the whole Salem rich trial, so to speak. You know, that's a perfect example of just women who were healers, quite literally, using the earth and the, and herbs and using nature to help heal. And because uh, the males didn't understand it, they deemed it evil. And really, they were just people who knew how to use herbs. Still do. So <laughs> that's what I meant by that. And herbs, however you want to take that, right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. using nature. Totally. Homeopathic medicines. Got it. That's all it was. You know, that's yeah. all it was. Awesome, Kathy. Well, thank you uh, very much for chopping up with me. It was a really fun uh, conversation. Thank you for the opportunity again. I appreciate it. For sure. I'll link to your uh, socials and your website and all that good stuff. Is there anywhere in particular you would like folks to go if they want to learn more about the work you're doing? Um, you know, my handle is the same on Facebook, IG, and LinkedIn. It's just Kathy Hannah Perez. So if you want to, um, you know, become friends, let's go for it. Cool. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Kathy.